As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back to Full Time with Meg Linhan. I'm Meg. You are listening to a show all about women's soccer on the Athletic Podcast Network. But actually, while I've got all the latest for you on the news front, I decided we could maybe use a little lightness this week. And I asked Kavitha Davidson for a check-in all about Season 2 of Ted Lasso. So I will give you another warning before we get started, but there are absolutely spoilers to the entirety of the episodes that have aired so far this season. If you are not caught up, it is definitely worth waiting to listen to this week's episode. But before we actually get to the rest of today's episode, as always, to show your support of full-time, plus get all of our women's soccer coverage and everything else The Athletic has to offer on our site and on our app, you can subscribe right now at theathletic.com slash full-time. There's always an offer there. It's always one of our best deals. And right now, it's actually 50% off your new annual subscription. Steph and I are obviously working hard at a lot of NWSL stories right now, but also we're both heading to fall friendlies for the U.S. Women's National Team this fall as well. I've got a couple NWSL trips lined up um, later on, actually early October. So we're going to have a lot to keep you reading and listening to for the rest of the year. We've got expansion draft, all sorts of stuff coming. So subscribe right now if you do not already. All right, the news. So one quick hit right off the top. This past weekend's NWSL match between Orlando and Houston drew 442,000 viewers on Big CBS, which is a pretty good number for the holiday weekend. That leads me right into the next item, the NWSL Championship. And we have a stadium and we have a time, and there was a lot of discussion about both of these things. Portland will once again host the final, which will take place on November 20th. Kickoff is set for 9 a.m. local, 12 p.m. Eastern on Big CBS, which is ultimately, I think, the larger problem. CBS obviously has college football commitments, and I'm honestly not sure if they're actually is another option on the table here, whether that means Paramount Plus, whether that means moving kickoff time. I don't know. (laughs) As for Portland, in the end, they were the only team to bid to host the championship. Both Orlando and Louisville have entered bids, but then ultimately withdrew them. Also, the NWSL expansion draft rules are out for Angel City 
and San Diego. The document is multiple pages. It's available on the NWSL website. So I'm not going to get into that level here, at least right now. But here are the big notes you need to know right off the bat. Kansas City, as part of its own expansion deal in the last offseason, has been exempted entirely. And a reminder that Louisville just got immunity from Angel City via the Kristen Press trade too. Each team gets to protect a total of only nine players. That nine only includes one U.S. allocated player. Everyone else is unprotected. L.A. and San Diego can select one player from each team for no more than nine players each, and they can only select a max of one unprotected U.S. player total. Both expansion teams are getting a $150,000 grant in allocation money, and according to the league, they may keep or exchange with a team if they select an unprotected U.S. allocated player from that team. So there's a lot there. We're going to put a pin in it for this week and circle back to fully break down the rules, look at the expansion draft, how it might play out after the end of the season. It's going to be a pretty major storyline coming up. This weekend's match between the Washington Spirit and Portland Thorns had to be postponed after the Spirit reported four positive COVID-19 results across the team. Got no news yet on when that game will be played. There's more on the Spirit on the Athletic, including a lengthy Q&A with new team president Ben Olsen. Steph and I also compiled a timeline to help keep, you, keep track of everything going on with the team. Should be up by some point on Thursday as well, too. Obviously, there's some additional stuff happening behind the scenes, as always, in Washington. All right, one more quick NWSL thing. The league issued a fine to Angel City for, quote, announcing the signing of a player, Kristen Press, prior to the full execution of the player's agreement violating section 17.2.1 news releases of the league operations manual and for ignoring a league directive regarding the announcement. Yep. Champions League action in the second round started wrapping up yesterday with five more games on Thursday. Lyon is through, Man City was knocked out by Real Madrid, and we're waiting to see the final group stage draw, which will take place on Monday, September 13th. Just a reminder that Barcelona, Chelsea, Bayern, and PSG did not have to play in these first two rounds and got to proceed directly to the group stage. Okay. Usually, Kavitha Davidson was the one actually interviewing me on our podcast, The Lead, but she's now running point over on our Culture Vertical. She wrote a review of Ted Lasso at the start of season two, and I thought, since we're we're in the dark forest a bit now, both (laughs) in the NWSL and in Ted Lasso, it was worth a check-in to see how we're watching the show, the reaction to the show. Um, It is your final warning, though. We discuss everything that has happened through episode seven. Please keep that in mind. If you have not caught up, just just pause. (laughs) Just pause right now. All right, here we go. All right, Kavitha, I I brought you on. I texted you today and Mm -hmm. I said, hi, Mm -hmm. (laughs) what's your afternoon like? And do you want to talk about Ted Lasso? Well, I always want to talk about Ted Lasso, and it's just really nice to talk about something that brings that that doesn't make me want to to end life. So <laughs> <laughs> it is just, um, yeah, I feel like I kind of needed a palate cleanser, but also I will say. So when I was on West Coast time, and then when I was in Alaska, it was amazing because I got two weeks of the episodes dropping at like nine o'clock at mm-hmm. night slash eight, and I was just like, this is an amazing perk <laughs> of being on this coast. Like usually, I don't. 
it messes with my bedtime. I don't super care for it. And then I was like, I don't like sports at 4 p.m. Like it's weird, but like Ted Lasso (laughs) dropping at nine for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was a real benefit. So first, I just kind of wanted to circle back because you actually wrote an article for The Athletic about the second season and... You know, I know that when I brought up the idea of this episode to you, I was like, I don't know how heavily I want to get into the discourse, capital D, (laughs) around Ted Lasso because it has turned into like this weird meta conversation. And I have like plenty of thoughts about it, but mostly I look at it on Twitter and I just go, I don't want to think about this because it's not how I interact with this television show. But, you know, you wrote about like, oh, there's always this risk of a sophomore slump. Mm hmm. And you were firmly on this opinion of, no, <laughs> it's good. We're good. Well, yeah. And let's let's remind people that the discourse really started, I want to say, around episode four, maybe episode five. And like those of us who had screeners, which is a low-key flex, I know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just like first, a smidge. Just a smidge. Um, I still haven't gotten the cookies yet, though. So if anyone's listening from, from the show, please send me those cookies. Um, <laughs> So we got the first eight episodes, right? And I watched them. I binged them, obviously. And then I wrote my review trying to um, avoid spoilers. I think one of the things, like one of my first reactions when I started to see the discourse happening was, y'all got to wait for at least a couple more episodes to drop. Like you are judging (laughs) a 12 episode season on a third of the season. And I also very, like very much think I was talking about this with our colleague, Nicole Auerbach, who also got screeners. Um, I also think we've just forgotten how to watch episodic television in non-bingey format. Like, we forgot what it's like to watch a 15 to 20 episode arc of an entire season dripping at our at a, at a weekly pace, right? Like, right. we just don't know how to do that anymore. So I think that, like... I think it's a, it, it sets yourself up for a lot of hot takes about character development and story arcs and, you know, whether Ted Lasso was bad because he's good and like everybody <laughs> like wasn't that one of the arguments was that Ted Lasso yeah. is bad because everybody likes him like nobody but hates also Ted Lasso. It, like it verged into a weird like. Ted Lasso is hated because he performs oral sex on women. I was just like, I don't know. Like, I remember looking at Twitter that day and I had not logged on and I looked at my phone. I said, honestly, what the fuck is happening? And then I put my phone down because I was just like, yeah, I I couldn't even wrap my brain around it. Definitively, we can say Roy Kent is absolutely a G for performing oral sex on Keeley. So like, you know, don't don't get that twisted. But yeah. And then there was a really weird like there's no conflict in this season. I'm like, yeah, yeah. So there's not conflict in the sense that people don't hate Ted. Ted is having conflict with himself. Nate is having conflict with everybody. Like... Keely and Roy are having conflict because they're spending too much time together. Like, there is absolutely conflict. And also yes. wait until episode eight because some things happen that, like, I want to I want to yell about in a good okay. way. We'll, ha- we'll have to circle back around yeah. at the end of the season when we when we have finally been able to see it. Maybe we can grab Nicole as well. And we well, can and after Friday, soon. then I'll be I'll be watching weekly like like all of you normies. So <laughs> like all of us peons <laughs> yeah, here exactly. who don't get anything. I have not gotten a single thing from Apple TV. It's fine. It's fine. I just I just grumbled to myself. Um, yeah, I think your point about not watching episodic TV anymore is really accurate because also, I mean, I think about the way that I used to watch TV in high school, right? Like I grew up on Buffy the Vampire Slayer and mm-hmm. Angel, like all of these kinds of shows and to get that kind of plot, right? The, the sweeps, 
the breaks, like when you would have to suffer through, like, oh, November. there's no new <laughs> November yeah. was always when the musical episode dropped. Like, <laughs> so the kids today have no just... idea what sweep sweeps means. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like to go through the cliffhanger of of season finales, at least, is still like a thing. But I feel like it's not quite the same anymore. Also, just because I mean, like thinking now about the way, like I I honestly appreciate now kind of also having the limitations around television series where you get kind of these very tight mm-hmm. eight, nine, 10 episode runs. Like the, the plot is all kind of done at the same, like people aren't writing week to week anymore, which right. I think kind of used to happen a little bit more than it does now. But, you know, I think about something like Killing Eve and mm-hmm. the way that like we're in this like no man's land of God only knows when we're going to get Killing Eve again. Right. Um, so there are pros and cons. Yeah, there are pros and cons. And also, I mean, it's a very British approach to television, right? Like the Brits for decades have always done six to 10 episodes a season, standalone seasons that kind of wrap themselves up nicely. Um, and, you know, in America, because everything is driven by a profit motive, it was 24 episodes, 22 minutes long, 22 or 44 minutes long. Um, and we don't have those limitations anymore. And I will say also, we don't have the limitations of the time limit anymore. Whereas like if you're if your episode goes 25 minutes, that's totally fine. And you don't have mm-hmm. to edit, make some ridiculously stupid editing decisions because yeah. you need eight minutes of commercials. So, right. um, yeah. That being said, like, you know, like I admitted, I completely binged the first eight episodes. So I did not actually, <laughs> I, I did not review this this series based on episodic viewing. Right. I mean, and that's, but also I think that that's kind of the, again, the blessing and the curse of getting screeners and knowing like, okay, you're trying to sell someone on the premise of a season rather than just being kind of in the dark with the rest of us and only getting that one episode at a time and not being able to say like, oh, okay, here are maybe the themes Mm -hmm. of the season. Because I think by even now where we are, we're, you know, more than halfway through, we kind of know there's, there's been this kind of premise introduced and that came to us via uh, Ted's appreciation of rom-coms where he kind of gave us the plot of Mm rom-coms. And then there's this concept of you have to go through the dark forest. And that's, kind of where we're at right now with Ted Lasso. And what I think is really interesting is that we're obviously getting this mirror effect, not just with Ted and his own journey, but we also have Nate Mm -hmm. and his journey. And there's been a lot, like if you want to talk about hot takes, there's been a lot surrounding Nate and kind of where we're at with this last episode, episode seven as well, where he is in a very dark place. But I don't, did you read any of the articles like Jason Sudeikis and, and Nick Mohammed both, talked about kind of, you know, Nick was kind of like, I don't want to, I can't say anything because again, the plot line isn't done. Like right. we're in the middle of this. Just just hang tight. And <laughs> Five more episodes, you, guys. Like We will talk about it when we're on the other side of it. But, um, you know, it really stems from Sudeikis watching people come into the Saturday Night Live environment, mm. get their kind of moment in the sun and turn into different people. And it feels, I think part of the reason why it's so painful is because it feels like something everyone has kind of seen. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. It feels like something everyone has kind of seen, and frankly, the social media aspect of it as well, right? Like, I had a tweet go bonkers viral a couple (laughs) months ago, like bonkers viral. And, you know, we're journalists, like we've had, like, listen, like we've had tweets go viral, like, you know, tens of thousands, but we're talking like in the millions here. And it's, it's wild, the psychological effect that that can have on you, positive or negative, right? Like, I muted that shit almost immediately, but like, but like, people were like, Oh my God, you're famous now. And like, um, like Leslie Jones is retweeting you and that kind of thing. And I'm like, I mean, that's cool. But at the same time, you very much like everyone has felt that every, whether they're a journalist or a media personality or just some, you know, someone with a, a funny tweet that went viral, like everyone has kind of felt that very addictive and personality altering like form of social media accolades. Um, And I think you can absolutely see where that is, is getting to Nate's head. And also like Nate is, you know, he's, he's a character who is fundamentally at war with himself and his own expectations and obviously his parents' expectations too. Um, And, and, you know, he, he feels, I think, I can't remember how I wrote it in my, in my piece, but, you know, he's battling with feeling small. Like that's, that's his entire character. And now you get the little bit of glimmer of feeling big and you can see it's an extremely human thing to let that go to your head. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really interesting. So where the last episode left it is, you know, he he kind of goes after Colin, which mm-hmm. was his own bully, right, in season one. He goes after Colin. He realizes Colin is a, a vulnerable target. And then he, Coach Beard steps in, kind of forces this reconciliation. The players forgive him. Will, this <laughs> the tiny little child who does their kits <laughs> now, you know, customizes a kit and... What is so interesting is that we're also seeing all of these shades of power imbalances because obviously the players are one thing, but there's also other staff at play Mm -hmm. here too. And it has been really interesting to kind of watch some of these plot lines, especially this year, because earlier we had the one with Sam and Mm -hmm. the sponsorship thing. We've kind of been going through the same thing in the NWSL world. We've been looking a lot at what culture has been normalized in locker rooms and with coaching. Like, so sometimes I'm watching these episodes and I'm like, <laughs> this is a little, this is a little close right now. A little too close to home. A little too <laughs> <Yeah>. real. <laughs> Except it's so, it's so hyper idealized, right? right. Like, um, and I think in the best way, like, I, you know, what I wrote was it is absolutely out of the realm of possibility that an owner of a major sports team would would just drop a, like a title a, a jersey sponsor like that's yeah. that's a ridiculous thought right but it would be nice if if yeah. you know it would be nice to believe that there are owners who say no to certain sponsors because of some kind of moral code or ethical code mm-hmm. yeah. and i i think that might ex- ex- exist to some level um Emirates is not that level. (laughs) It it was really funny, though, because as we're watching that plot line, and I think it was in the previous episode, like Higgins comes into Rebecca's office and he's like, here's the salary information. Mm -hmm. Right. And like, so I'm I'm mentally going like, oh, okay, they're setting up this plot line of they've been relegated. Mm -hmm. They're going to have to figure out salary cap information because 
Generally, you don't keep an entire team together after you get relegated down to the championship. Like, they're going to set up this huge plot line, and then they bring in this sponsorship thing, right? Which is a whole nother sort of financial plot line. Like, there's going to be, like, real serious, like, this this plot line that's built around the club right. maybe being on the, the brink of some sort of financial crisis. And then the next episode, they just have a New Jersey sponsor. And I was like, oh, okay, so I need to turn my brain off. Yeah, yeah. And it's not just a New Jersey st- sponsor. It's just banter. Like, it's banter. Sure, right? Like, this this <laughs> Keely upstart- is amazing. Keely is very good at her job. <laughs> this upstart dating app that needed... <laughs> yeah a relegated soccer team's <laughs> players to use it <laughs> in order it's to definitely its can definitely afford to be a jersey can sponsor definitely yes. afford to be a jersey sponsor sure yeah yeah, yeah. It, it was like i'm telling Mar- i was like marjorie i've got this whole like thought of how this, and then the next episode i was like or never mind i i kind of want to i kind of want to watch that version though i'm not gonna lie yeah <laughs> Just like I didn't really know where it was going to go. So, yeah, it it has been kind of funny to to think like, oh, okay, I'm smart and I know I know this world like I can kind of maybe see where some of this is going to go. But it it has been very both funny and also a little uncomfortable at times to be like, all right, like we're getting into some territory here, though, that I think is really good. And I I think the plot line with Sam and Mm -hmm. and the sponsorship was honestly one of the best that they've done as a standalone sort of plot. I and I, I I will not give spoilers, but I'm going to say that um, I believe that is not the last we have heard about mm. that plot line. Um, when I first watched that episode, I texted Nicole and I was like, "This is absolutely brilliant." And you know, especially in in my current role at the Athletic, like I I write a lot about athlete protest about. Um, you know, the right for athletes to be human beings and to have, you know, their own ethical and moral codes. And this was such a brilliant way to get into all of these conversations we've been having for the last year and still be very specifically British and soccer related, right? Like, like I mean, when when Sam goes up on on in, in that post-game presser and he says, I'm not here to talk about football. Like that, mm-hmm. that is absolutely something that I could hear every NBA and WNBA player saying after a George Floyd or Jacob Blake protest. Um, and, and the way that they, that they did it and fatherhood is also one of the overarching themes in almost everyone's plot line in this season. And the yes. way that they did it, that it wasn't just, you know, a personal conviction thing. It was a familial connection connection thing. And, and, you know, the other Nigerian players on the team had like, obviously were compelled to do it too. And then everyone else on the team, you know, starting with Jamie of all people, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, which is another hyper idealized thing that I don't think we would see in real life. But um, no, I mean, I thought it was so brilliant how they did it and it didn't beat you over the head with it. But there were also so many parallels for those of us who who've covered athlete protests in the last year. There were so many little nuanced things that you could point to and be like, that is exactly how that happens. Um, and I just thought it was brilliant. Yeah, no, it was really, I just remember turning the episode off and then being like, okay, what if we actually just watch it again right now? Because <laughs> yeah. I, I think that it did have kind of some real layers to it, even as it was this kind of simplified overall narrative of like, okay, this is not necessarily how this would work in the real world, right? In terms of the resolution and all that kind of stuff, in terms of how especially Rebecca as an owner mm-hmm. would probably be approaching this. But yeah, I think centering Sam as, as a bigger character for the show was a really smart 
decision he's for season two just got so much charisma first of all like he's yes. just like phenomenal um and i also think like we can we can absolutely have a debate over whether it was a smart decision not to make the issue racial right like like Athlete protests in the last year has obviously been about police brutality and anti-black racism and all of that. And and those are things that need to be centered. But the point of of this particular story arc was not to litigate the issue itself, which Mm -hmm. will cause people to for, you know, bad reasons, obviously, but will cause people to stop paying attention to the actual episode, right? And to the the point about athlete protest and solidarity and, and you know, um, and, and ethics. Um, and I thought that it was a kind of a brilliant decision to make this about the environment, but also very specifically to an African country whose players are in a British soccer team. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's definitely, there's definitely layers to it. All right, I did want to... The other character that I think has absolutely shot up into my immediate favorites this season. What's funny is like I feel like all of the characters are kind of my favorites, but then it's just kind of week to week who really like I don't know if Rebecca's ever really moving out of my number one spot. Mm-hmm. Rebecca fits my ideal character type. I think Rebecca's just like abs- all of our ideal women. Like. <laughs> <laughs> it's just Rebecca is like gonna be forever my number one from the show, but Higgins has really mm-hmm come out not necessarily nowhere because I do I think I appreciated him a lot in season one obviously for me he's kind of you know the Jerry of Parks and Rec right Mm -hmm. like and that was kind of his role in season one was he was taking kind of a lot of the internal humor and not necessarily always the the best way but in a he's ours Mm -hmm. (laughs) and only we get to make fun of Higgins sort of way and this year a we've gotten a much better look at some of his personal life. Obviously, the the Christmas episode really gives mm-hmm. Higgins a lot, and also his his wife, who is actually his wife, who in is real actually life, his which... wife. That is my favorite thing. So, like, they're yeah. the cutest like, humans on the so face of the planet. Cute. Like Keely, Keely and Rebecca being best friends in real life, absolutely. But Higgins and his wife actually being married was like the most heartwarming revelation. Of I know. <laughs> so I was delighted by that, but also just. Higgins's wife energy and and having that be kind of a key part to the season and also the way that Higgins both is a diamond dog but mm-hmm. also has been now a a part of the girl talk between mm-hmm. Rebecca and Keely. like he fits in both worlds he is just a pure little sunshine man <laughs> he loves his wife he plays his the relationship is what like, like- <laughs> I just am like, I just, I love him. Yeah. I love, I love him. Like, yeah. I know that Roy Kent is kind of the dude <laughs> for this show, is right? Is he CGI, like, though? Have you seen that? <laughs> yes. Have you seen that theory that Roy Kent might be CGI? <laughs> Rick Goldstein is like, I am human. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. But, Hag- like, Higgins really, I, am I, I feel like I'm not necessarily alone, but, like, has, has Higgins really grown for you Absolutely. This year? I think, I can't remember which episode it was, but I saw on Twitter because I, I, I've been watch I've been watching these weekly episodes through the eyes of y'all on Twitter, basically. <laughs> and there yeah. was, like, either last week or the week before is when everyone was like, oh, my God, Higgins is my favorite character now, right? <laughs> um, first of all, I think the running gag of him not having an office is just absolutely yeah. silly in 
it's so good. Um, and yeah, I mean, he's absolutely like been humanized and he's been given layers. Like you said, he's a diamond dog, but he's also part of the girl talk. And I think that's something that like I that speaks to an overarching thing that I very much appreciate about this show, which is the subversive feminism of this show, which, you know, I when I wrote about this. It, not only does it have some of the most fully developed female care women characters right like it didn't take a season to get there it took an episode um but it also and and i love that keely isn't just another wag you know yeah like she's very much not um but it also it it's it also subverts or blurs the lines between this like artificial separation between men and women which i think is so important um and is something that you know it it serves everybody well and the analogy that i made especially with like in in such hyper masculine potentially toxic environments as a sports locker room the fact that it doesn't fall into any of those tropes and it shows how like supportive teammates can be without, you know, um, without sacrificing the grit on the field, on the pitch and all of that. Um, and, and just the idea that like males, like men's sensitivity and friendship and like, you know, like, just the, like, normalizing that. And the analogy that I made was oddly between the way that Ted Lasso does this and the way Magic Mike's franchise t- did this, which <laughs> yeah. is there were a lot of think pieces at the time about how we don't ever see like super masculine dudes just being allowed to have friendships with each other and how important yeah. that is. And I think Higgins does that so well. And that's something that we we get in that dynamic of the Diamond Dogs. Um, but then you're also able to have those conversations with with the girls, right? And the girl yeah. talk is kind of the same shit that the men are talking about, too. <laughs> also, the jazz scouting with <laughs> Rebecca, which was just... <laughs> I will be laughing. Someone, like, made a little loop of that clip, oh and I was just like, they should just, they should have recorded the two of them just scatting for, like, a There's solid two, two to three minutes. Really and good I at it, actually. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, Hannah Waddingham, you know, like actual yeah. West End professional. Right. Jeremy, I think it has like a real music album too. Like these are actual he talented musicians. Actually plays the bass. Like yes, that's does. a real thing. <laughs> the jazz scatting though, I think we had to pause the episode because I was just actively <laughs> laughing so hard that I was like, we need to stop because I just have to process the Breathe. stupidity of yeah. this moment. Yeah. <laughs> It was just, and I, I think to to this point of not just the subversive fem- feminism, but also this embrace, I think this is what has also made people really uncomfortable with the show is that there is this sincerity mm. and earnestness running through it. And we as Americans tend to not embrace that <laughs> wholeheartedly, right? Like that we could actually be sincere with each other. And I think, you know, there are a lot of relationships on the show that, reflect this kind of relationship but to your point in terms of you know men being friends with each other it reminds me of you know last night or tuesday night john mulaney was Mm -hmm. on seth meyers speaking about his intervention and this is like like he opens the door to his intervention that sends him to rehab and seth meyers is the first face that he sees and Mm -hmm. i mean this is a 20 minute interview between friends and the final minute of it is Seth just on national television telling him that he loves him. Right. Right? Like, these are moments between men that we do not frequently see. And I think what has been really interesting is we've seen it in so many relationships, and Ted is frequently at the center of those relationships. And I think 
Ted and Rebecca is a really good example of that. But there's also this, you know, we're now, what, uh, a season and a half into the payoff between Ted winning over Roy Mm -hmm. and changing Roy's approach to life, basically, right? And we have seen Roy Kent develop as this kind of fully formed character rather than just a very hairy man who grunts all the time. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, But him coming around to being a coach and understanding his influence over players, right? Like all of this kind of stuff. But at the heart of it, there is this relationship and a trust. And we're seeing that in so many different ways that I think sometimes that fully leaning in Mm -hmm. (laughs) to having these kind of like actual real human emotions I think has made some people uncomfortable to some extent because they're like, well, that's not that's not how people really are. And it's like, well, it can be. I, th- I think that's right. I think that that's I think that's absolutely true. We don't see those kinds of interactions. We definitely don't celebrate them when it comes to men. Right. Um, and, and that's to everybody's detriment. And I think that, you know, I'm not one to you know, get on here and and start yelling about the kids and internet culture. But like internet culture is mean, man. Like it really is. Like and it and it rewards meanness in a way that um and listen, like I'm an extremely cynical, like very sarcastic, pessimistic. I'm not an optimistic person whatsoever. But like but like in the last year and a half, the last 18 months of being in a pandemic, I think what a lot of people derived out of the joy from the joy of Ted Lasso was having something be this earnest and not have to traffic in meanness in order to be successful. And 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 it doesn't come across as saccharine. And I don't I can't quite explain why, because it could so easily be purple and syrupy and gross. And it's just not. Um, and it's extremely refreshing to see. And then I'm going to turn that off and go watch Succession. So. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I made it like three episodes in and I was like, I can't handle this. Right I, it's, it's honestly, you have to be in the right in the right yeah. mind space. And I think also when you live in New York and you work in New York media, it's way too close to home. So like, you know, exactly I mean, our, our dark, depressing are. show was was mayor of Easttown. And mm-hmm. we were like, this is good. Like it's, you know, like this is the level that we're ready to be at. But right. Yeah, I, I started Succession. I was like, I'll put a pin in this one and maybe come back to it later. <laughs> I, I like, recommend that, yeah. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, I, I mean, I think part of it, too, is just I, like I was joking with Marjorie um, about watching Ted Lasso. And I was like, you know, I've kind of realized that this is just the soccer version of Gilmore Girls at times <laughs> because of the kind of nonstop referential humor. Mm-hmm. Right. Like 
it was really funny in, in one of the recent episodes, uh, Ted is talking to Trent Krim, which we should also talk about Trent Krim a lot more, but mm-hmm. um, he goes, <laughs> exactamundo, Dikembe Matumbo, <laughs> and Marjorie did not understand that reference at all, and I was losing it. <laughs> It's so good, though. <laughs> but the thing is, there are five million other references that I'm sure she got. Like. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's, I mean, like, you know, the rom-com episode mm-hmm. was so specific. And as a person who has maybe seen You've Got Mail maybe, like, too many times. Right. Like, I, when we were, like, pausing to read all of the banter messages, I was like, that screen name is a reference to You've Got Mail. Uh-huh. That screen name is a reference. And Marjorie's like, how do you know? And I was like, I've seen You've Got Mail a lot of times. Right. Well, and this, my annual fall rom-com watch. This goes back because, you again, you have a bunch of, like, very stacked athletic sports dudes losing it over Bridget Jones' diary and, like, like <laughs> having a heated debate over this, right? So, um, no, I, I think that it's great. Um, I also really appreciate the um, – uh, I mean – the every little reference in there there have been little references to like the actors lives also like like norm peterson from cheers has <laughs> has a has a photo on the wall next to roy kent like it's it's and it, it, it's pretty phenomenal and and i think that norm Pe- the actor who plays norm peterson is jason sudeikis's uncle so that's the easter yes. egg there um yes. but yeah it's it's pretty great and i honestly I, I would love to know the answer to this question, because whenever I bring up Ted Lasso, especially in my college group, everyone just launches into the Jamie Tart chant. Like, it's just like it, it's never not going to happen. And we all really want the answer to whether the writers wrote his name in order to have that chant. Like, which came first, the name or or Baby Shark? Like, like, right. which act, like, which one actually came first? Yeah, no, I, I mean, and what's like every once in a while, my brain will just start the Roy Kent chant, actually. Like, <laughs> He's that's there. the one He's that there. I tend to get. He's yeah, <laughs> Yeah, it is definitely. All right, I want to circle, since I brought up Trent Krim mm. from The Independent. From First the Independent. of all, an ode to this man's hair. An ode to his hair, thank God, because I was about to say it. <laughs> <laughs> he has some of the best ass hair, man. <laughs> like, it's so good. <laughs> what has, what so has been British. really funny to me is just... A, watching that relationship develop between Mm -hmm. Ted and Trent. And obviously this is, you know, a show that has a lot of minor characters. But Trent Krim, I think, really does have just his own dedicated little fan base. He does. Um, (laughs) I mean, so Trent, for as much as we've talked about, like, the sincerity and the earnestness and, and the kindness of the show. Trent is as close as we're going to get to the show's cynical base, right? To the foil. Um, and and he does it extremely well. But he also set us up in the first season when he wrote when he wrote that piece about about Ted Lasso. Like that's the thesis statement of of this show, right? Is that I don't think it's gonna work. This whole thing is ridiculous. But you can't help but root for him. And that's where Trent Krim is coming from. And I think that that's extremely telling. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just, every time he pops up, I'm just like, Trent Grimm, the independent, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) As someone who frequently gets yelled at because I forget to say my affiliation in press conferences. I always forget to do that, man. Like, it's so I got yelled at at the world, after the World Cup final. (laughs) Oh, no, Meg. (laughs) Because I was so nervous. (laughs) I was on such, like, an adrenaline rush. Mm -hmm. I'm in the room, Megan Rapinoe's at the stand, and I said, and I just launched into my question, the woman's like, can you please state your name and affiliation? I was just like, <laughs> like 
Damn it. <laughs> of I course, Peter's like, I know who she is. <laughs> <laughs> Which is awesome. And that's reaffirmation. But also you're yeah, thinking so- to yourself, I'm a professional. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like this is being broadcast on YouTube right now. Um, all right. So I wanted to, to finish with Ted himself. Mm. Because Ted is obviously going through it this season. Mm-hmm. And what I think has been really interesting is that there, this has a kind of actually inspired, uh, inspired probably some of the most speculation I've seen around the show. Like, generally, like, people aren't out here trying to be like, ah, yes, let's speculate about the plot mm-hmm. of a comedy unless it's, like, The Good Place, right? right? <laughs> um, which was just a show that was pure plot. Um, so good. But so plot. you know ted does kind of have this mystery to him and as you were saying this is a show and a season that's really concerned about fathers Mm -hmm. and it feels like this is really where we're gonna end up with ted in this territory we've gotten some little hints right there's the scene with rupert and speaking of buffy having Mm -hmm. anthony stewart head playing the bad guy in the show Mm -hmm. it's just a real a real time for me a little bit of a mind of a mind (laughs) bend for sure yeah yeah um, you know, talking about his dad taking him to the bar and playing darts, right? Like, we've gotten these kind of tidbits of information. And obviously, Ted is a father himself. There's this generational aspect to it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but the mental health aspect of the season, I think, has been... Obviously, we're kind of only partway through it. But it has been really interesting because I do think that some shows can lean on therapy kind of as a narrative crutch. I mean, Mm -hmm. speaking of Mayor of Easttown, right? Like that was a huge part of that show. So what what are your thoughts in terms of like this this arc that is happening across this season with Ted? Yeah, so I'm gonna try and not answer this because I know (laughs) You're you're one episode I'm I'm an episode ahead. Yeah. Um I mean fatherhood is a huge part of this the, I, th- I think what they what they've done what they've at least set us up for right now is understanding that Ted Ted didn't get this way right like <laughs> he was not born this way necessarily like nobody is born with this much energy and like midwestern optimism <laughs> um, so like there there is a reason for it and it it comes from somewhere and I think it's been really fascinating to start to see not only like them setting up for explaining that origin or where that comes from, but also knocking it down, right? Like he's having these episodes, these panic attacks. It's not all sunshine and roses. Um, and and that, you know, maintaining that kind of a persona absolutely must be exhausting, but is also, you know, counter to like what we know about the complexity of human behavior and of anybody's mental state, right? And and I think that it's been really, really fascinating and just really also just the idea that this show has been normalizing men going to therapy, I think is so just like such a basic thing, but so important. Um, and Ted being the most uh the most resistant to it which you wouldn't think that somebody as relatively or outwardly um, expressive with his feelings and emotions would be th- would be the most guarded person with them, but he is. And that's been an interesting dichotomy to explore. Yeah, I mean, one of the first things that we get from Ted is him trying to basically be like, okay, I'm going to get to know Rebecca, mm-hmm. right? I'm going to share all... The- but when you, when you kind of look back at the show, you're like, what is he really sharing, Right. right. What is he actually sharing about himself? And like, yes, granted, there there's absolutely personal information, but is he really sharing kind of his internal feelings at all times? 
Right. And the answer to that is generally no. How surface level is that? And we all, you know, I think that that's, again, extremely human, right? Like none of us are, none of us are our complete selves all the time. Um, Mm -hmm. And, but for Ted, having to be that version of himself all the time has to come from somewhere. And I think we're going to learn where that comes from. So, yes. Yeah, to to use another John Mulaney thing that I think about all the time where he has a, a joke in his stand-up special about, like, I'm just going to hold everything right mm-hmm. here in my chest and then I'm going to die. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> like, it's the Irish way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, as, a, as a very contained Irish person, I'm always just like, yep, that, that feels familiar. That yep. Nailed it. 100%. Nailed it. Just going to wear a scratchy sweater, keep everything right here, and die. Thanks. Yep. There you go. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, all right. I mean, I think, is there anything else in terms of, you know, maybe some of these smaller plot lines? I mean, I think the Roy Keeley stuff has been obviously kind of a, a side plot that also has been kind of informing some other thing. Obviously, especially like Keeley and Rebecca are going through their own two plot lines mm-hmm. uh, concerning their romantic relationships, but... You know, Roy has has been the internet's boyfriend <laughs> for a while. Right. I think after this last episode where, you know, you get the shot A, like mm-hmm. <laughs> where where we're firmly into Roy Kent is absolutely now I guess the internet's husband. The so. internet's husband, absolutely. Yeah. Um has okay. Maybe maybe not. Um I don't know. Has has <laughs> has episode do people have theories about who Rebecca is texting? Oh yeah, yeah. We know we we've gotten that reveal. Okay, all right. <laughs> so that <laughs> we've that gotten was that big, reveal. Okay, because the number of people who were, and then who were, episode seven doesn't address it at all, and everyone was panicking. <laughs> I see. Okay, so first of all, the number of people who were texting me from episode two. They better not be getting Rebecca and Ted together. I will quit the show. <laughs> and me having to bite my tongue on that. Like, like don't worry. You don't have to quit yeah. the show. Um, the other, like, kind of side plot, and I don't actually have a spoiler for this because they, they don't address this in episode eight. So is there something going on with the teacher? Like, the teacher is too similar to Roy and too much of a potty mouth and too, like, fuck these kids in, like, the same way that I feel like they're setting up some kind of a parallel there, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> I mean, it is it is definitely one of the bigger side plots of the show. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think we're all just kind of a lot. I mean, I know that, you know, early on after that, that first episode where Sam really gets centered, they're like, Sam's going to have a lot to do this season. <laughs> and I feel like I was like, oh, I should have probably guess that uh yeah there was gonna be stuff that i didn't expect so that was another easter egg with um with the cheers with sam and rebecca ah yeah yeah there's a lot of i they know they know what they're doing sometimes they, they when really they set do. this stuff up it is just uh, my favorite is again, thing is though. the creator of ted lasso also wrote on boy meets world so <laughs> there you go yeah it is it is I just every Friday, I'm just like, okay, can I watch this episode at like 7 a.m. so I don't get spoiled? And then I'll wait for later on in the day to express my thoughts about it. So, yeah, actually, what's the etiquette? I guess I'm going to have to start adhering to that. (laughs) 
now that I've been brought just, back to Earth. <laughs> generally, it's like I just go directly to texts, and I'm okay. just like, all right, let's let's talk about it. Slash, yeah. It, nice. For for Twitter, I've been pretty vague um, mm-hmm. when I do tweet about it, but also, I don't know. I'm also afraid to tweet about Ted Lasso a little bit now too, because I'm just like, what crazy what shitstorm are you that, just like yeah, yeah. like <laughs> i'm just like so i was just like i'm gonna tweet about higgins and i'll be done there you go <laughs> yeah to all all you ted lasso detractors out there can you like take an edible and calm down <laughs> like just just be a little bit happier and i don't think i've ever said that in my life but like <laughs> like we can have one nice thing right just the yeah. one just the one we're allowed to we're allowed to have exactly one exactly <laughs> everybody gets one yeah yeah yeah, Ted Lasso can be ours. All right, Kavitha, I definitely appreciate the time. Um, until we'll, we'll circle back around we will at circle, the end of we'll, the season. We'll do the season recap for sure. <laughs> Maybe we can drag Brendan Hunt on with us and there just we be go. like, all right, we're walking through it. Let's go. Absolutely. I'm down. All right. Thanks so much, Meg. <laughs> Thank you to Kavitha again. And now we wait for Friday. One more thing, if you have recommendations for Cincinnati, and yes, I know about Skyline Chili, uh, please let me know. For all things full-time, you can visit fulltimepod.com. There are links for all of the major podcast platforms in one spot, plus more information. Again, you can subscribe to The Athletic and support all of our women's soccer coverage right now at theathletic.com slash full-time, and you can get that 50% off offer while there is still time. My name is Meg Linehan. You've been listening to Full Time with Meg Linehan. You can always find me on Twitter and Instagram at It's Meg Linehan and my work at The Athletic. Full Time does not exist without the work and support of senior podcast producer Michael Zimmerman. From The Athletic, I'm Meg. Thank you for listening. <laughs>